1: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number Stores or sleepnumber.com. Spoke Media.
2: Not Sorry Productions. My kindergarten teacher was everything you wanted out of a kindergarten teacher when you were five years old. She was nice. She had firm routines. You got stickers when you did something good. She was young. I loved her. We'll call her Ms. Chalk. Even as I moved along and flourished in my academic career, my mom stayed in touch with Ms. Chalk. Then, a few years ago, there was big news. Ms. Chalk had fallen madly in love with an Italian man. They met online, and it was love at first sight. They both just knew. They hadn't met in person yet, but he was waiting for her in Italy, and they were going to get married. They were going to buy a house together, each of them putting in $50,000, so Ms. Chalk wired him the money. Then, of course, he disappeared. She had already quit her union teaching job to move to Italy. She had given up her house, and she now had no savings to rent another one. She ended up living in her car. Working as a part time security guard in an office building until she could get a teaching job back, which could take years. If you were going to ask me to tell you a story about love at first sight, this is the one I would tell you. I would tell a cautionary tale. Love at first sight is high risk, it is potentially high reward, soulmate, fate level high reward, but the risk is so high. You are trusting nothing, but your instinct and a stranger. Love at first sight is a nice idea, but it can leave you sleeping in your car. I'm Vanessa Zoltan, and this is Hot and Bothered. A very special person chose love at first sight as their trope, my sister-in-law, Suzanne. That's right. We're talking about romantic, smoochy love with the woman who married my brother. She's also my friend, hilarious, a writer, and, well, wonderful. But yeah, she's gross taste in boys she's willing to kiss. No one's perfect. She is also now the amazing mom to my nephew. But at the time that we started recording this, she was six months pregnant with the kiddo. And she was doing what a lot of people do when a big change is coming. She was looking forward, but she was also looking backward. For her story, she was revisiting an outline that she had started years ago, long before she met my brother, and knew that she was going to have a happily ever after of
3: her own by having such an awesome sister-in-law. So my story is based on something I attempted many years ago to write, I um, I grew up in a family that watched a lot of science fiction, and what I really like about science fiction is that it really challenges just the way we think of things and how many things we've come to accept. So what I'm writing is a science fiction romance novel or novella, and the idea is that I have a character who's literally addicted to falling in love, that she falls in love at first sight with many many people because in this uh world that i created you can be prepped to fall in love with someone so you go in for this service it's like okay cupid on steroids where you're um you're brainwashed to fall in love with someone and she's been brainwashed so many times to fall in love with so many people she's addicted to the services because she loves that euphoria that feeling you get in the beginning of a relationship The problem is, is that when she's trying to quit, when she's finally realizing that these aren't healthy relationships, these ones that she's fallen in love with at first sight, is that she meets someone who's a viable candidate. This um, young man that her mom tries to set her up with, she immediately writes him off. And um, doesn't really give him a shot, but he's actually someone who's healthy and understands conflict and how to be in a healthy relationship, and they should be together forever.
2: I love what Suzanne is saying here. That is my problem with love at first sight. It seems like it's either lust at first sight, or it's a love of love and not a love of a person. I know we have debunked stranger danger. It tends to be the people we know who hurt us the most. But Ms. Chalk thought she knew that man because she fell in love with him at first sight. Love at first sight makes strangers seem like friends, and they are not. They are strangers who you are giving your trust to, who haven't earned it. They might deserve it, but they haven't earned it. Suzanne decided to write her novella in bits and pieces, little word count goals at a time. So this romance writing process is like a two to three month process. It's going to be about two more months that we have you on the phone with us. And when are you giving
3: birth? I'm doing in 11 and a half weeks. I'm doing eleven and a half 11 and a half weeks, but I'm not counting down the days.
2: <laughs> We're hoping that he comes in 10 and a half weeks. Perfectly healthy. That's right. Just yeah. a little early and small. Is there anything at stake for you in doing this process? Like, why Why did you say yes to this? You're pregnant. You teach. Sure. You have a dog. You have a life. I know you love me,
3: but... I do love you, but I also want to prove to myself that... Um, While I am carrying the future, I still have my own voice and I want people to still hear that. I just, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to stop writing. And I, I work so much better when there are other people relying on me and deadlines and collaboration. And so when you asked me, do I want to do this project and that you were telling me you're going to check in on me every week or so, I was like, oh yeah, that's what I need. That's, that's the stuff. I need a trainer. (laughs) Jim <laughs> buddy, buddy. Are you, are you scared that being a mom is going to take away your voice? I am. I'm really scared. I'm scared about, um, sleep deprivation. <laughs> I'm scared of losing. Um, I think that's, what's, that's, what's fortunate about my, um, willingness to write this in little pieces. Cause I think that's how you have to be, um, with, a, with a newborn, just finding little bits of time for yourself. So it's, this will be a good habit that I'm forming, but I'm really scared that it's going to be just about him. When Suzanne and my brother got married,
2: Suzanne decided not to change her name. She was a produced, award-winning playwright. She had a whole life and legacy as Suzanne Bressler. But when she got pregnant, She wanted to have the same last name as her son and wanted them to sound like a family. So she changed her name from Suzanne Bressler to Suzanne Zoltan. Of course, she was scared of losing her voice when her son came around. She was already losing her name. There is one kind of love at first sight that I believe in, and I believe in it because I saw it with my own eyes. I was waiting to pick up my father at the airport, standing at the gate, it was early 2001, And there were a sea of people waiting at the gate also, all in matching red shirts. I asked one woman what they were up to, and she looked at me with a huge smile on her face. And she said, I will never forget it. My baby is on that plane. She had adopted a baby who was being brought to her by a social worker. I watched as she saw her baby for the first time and burst into tears. I burst into tears all 30 red shirt wearing people burst into tears. And she held the baby and she said, hi, I'm your mama and I love you. And I believed her. But that's a different love, right? That's a vow, a promise. I love you right now. And I promise that I will love you no matter what. I'm your mama. It is qualitatively different than romantic love. We sort of want romantic love to be a little bit conditional, right? Like if it turns out he's a scam artist and not Italian, we want to love him less. The timeline that Suzanne and I had initially talked about did not play out for a lot of reasons. So we didn't end up getting back on the phone to talk about this project until a few months later after something quite big had happened to her. My nephew was born. Suzanne's story is really skeptical of love at first sight. It's a story where feeling that high of falling in love can be addictive and toxic for you. So I was wondering if having a baby changed her mind about the trope. Did she fall in love with her son at first sight? Like I saw that woman do at the airport? Like moms sometimes say they do the first time that they hold their baby?
3: I've been having so many thoughts about Love at First Sight. It was very sweet. I gave birth at um, the hospital where my husband works. So co- some coworkers stopped by to, to see us after, which is both wonderful and awful because one of his coworkers saw me like in the uh, gown that you get in the hospital where your butt is like exposed. Um, but some of his coworkers stopped by and brought gifts. And one of them gave us this picture frame that said love at first sight. And it had a picture of an ultrasound in it. And I was thinking about it and I've heard of people say like, love at first sight. Like when I saw that little ultrasound, little heartbeat that it was love at first sight. And it, I stand by that it really wasn't. I mean, there are other things that were there. Like I felt like this animalistic bond to this thing, but I still stand by, and I don't know why you can analyze me, why it's so important to me to make that distinction that it's not love, but it it's not love right away. I think love grows. I, st- I felt connected to this thing and I wanted to take care of this little thing, but it's only now that he's like smiling and, and almost sounds like laughing um, and making eye contact with us that it really feels like something like love. People talk about the idea that there aren't enough words
2: for love. The love I feel for my mom, Peter, and pizza are different kinds of love. The counterexample often cited is that the Inuits have multiple words for snow. One for snow on the ground, another for falling snow, a third for drifting snow, a fourth for a snow drift. Maybe that's what Suzanne and I want, a word different than love for what happens at first sight. Potential love needs a different word than confirmed love. Committing to your baby at first sight love needs a different word than loving a kid that's smiling at you. Yes, that lady loved her baby at the airport as soon as it was handed to her, but that was 19 years ago. Surely that love has grown and changed since then. We need more words, more nuance, Because otherwise, Ms. Chalk gets to think that love betrayed her, and love did not betray her. A bad man did. She didn't love him, she hoped him. Stories about being able to fall in love at first sight betrayed her. Love did not. But at the same time, I found it a little bit sad that Suzanne didn't feel she loved my little nephew at first sight. Not for his sake, she was being an amazing mom to him but for her sake. When we first talked about this new project, she had been so scared about losing her sense of self and motherhood. And here she was with a three-month-old and the things she was afraid of were actually happening.
3: I had one friend compare it to a death in the family. Obviously, it's not a sad thing, but just in that you're mental routine of like how you think of yourself in the world and you know, who you care for and things like that has really changed. Like it's very, it's very different. Just, I've heard of people explaining to me that my brain is like forever altered, which really freaked me out. I don't know if you've heard of this, but that like, after you've been pregnant, your brain just, they talk about mom brain is this like cute, funny sitcom thing, but there's just like actual cat scans they can do on my brain now. And it's like forever changed. Just incredible. It made me cry when I heard that because that's like frightening, um, uh, yeah, I'm this the whole I mean, my body is different. I mean, I expected that to be different, but like some of it's comical different. Like milk comes out of my boobs now. That's hilarious. Like everyone talks about forgetting childbirth. Childbirth wasn't so bad. I'm like that part was great. It's this part that's like was hard. Really, really hard. It's still so new. It's eleven weeks out. And I'm hoping that when I get more sleep, some of my brain functions come back. And I'm hoping that when there's an actual nap time routine, um, that I'm able to set aside time and still do some creative stuff. Um, I made this little, when my my brother's wife came to town, she was like just kind of helping me tackle, like the smallest tasks feel so much harder with a baby. Like even just like laundry. It's like all these challenges. And I've been meaning to write a thank you card to some of the people at the hospital where my husband works and where I gave birth. And um, I finally got around to it when she came out to visit. And um, so I wrote this thank you note and it was like this little gift basket with the pictures and the sign. And it, I like cried after I made it because it was like the first creative thing I did after having my son. It just felt like A little bit of myself came back i think of love as having to do with sacrifice and it's only when i actually started like caring for him and doing for him and that exchange of him needing me and me doing it that it it, like started to grow into an actual love i think of what i think of love
2: for suzanne there are a lot of scary biological changes that come with being a mom She doesn't know if her brain is ever going to be the same. That's scary. All of these things have just happened to her. So she doesn't want love to also just happen to her. She wants to wrest some control from this onslaught of change. And her idea of love is a thing that happens gradually, that grows. And that's actually a comforting idea because it puts something back in her control. And that's what I want, too. I don't want a love that happens to me. That kind of love can trick me into giving a stranger who doesn't deserve it $50,000. So I'm fine just throwing out love at first sight. Too many things are out of our control already. Why add love to that list?
1: For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
2: Despite my open hostility to love at first sight, I know that it has served some people well. Suzanne and I agree about it, but lots of other people feel very differently about the idea. I did a very scientific Twitter poll, and 33% of the people who happened to follow me on Twitter and happened to respond to the survey said that they believe in it. And they are obviously not all idiots. They're smart enough to follow me on Twitter. In fact, I know someone who's very much not an idiot, and she fell in love at first sight, and not just with a cute baby, but with a real live man. Her name is Sasha, and I asked her to come into the studio so I could be mean to her about her naive love at first sight, really fight her on it, have her super explain it to me like I'm an idiot. So I asked her point blank, did you really fall in love with your boyfriend at first sight?
4: I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, My immediate answer is yes. But then I've been wondering, what is love? Love. I think that the way I feel about him now, after six months of being together, six months of knowing he exists in the world, is such a deeper, more profound feeling than when I first saw him. So it makes me wonder about, you know, was it love at first sight? But at first sight, I knew. So what did you know? You saw him. Tell me about the first time you saw him. So I had been single for a bit, and I was interested in dating, but I didn't really know how to try and um a friend of mine who you know quite well, Ariana Nettleman. Oh, I've heard of, I've heard <laughs> of her. She made me a Tinder account. And I think my first swipe right was the person who's now my boyfriend. I didn't know that he was living in Iceland. It didn't say that? Doesn't Tinder say that? Um it does normally, but if you pay something like $9.99 a month, you can change your geographic preferences. Interesting. Okay. So the reason—he's not a creep who just sets his Tinder to be all over the world. But um, about three years ago, he had tried Tinder for the first time, met a really cute girl, chatted with her for a few weeks. And right before their first date, they became Facebook friends and realized their mutual friends were grandma, great-aunt, great-uncle. And it turns out this happens a lot in Iceland. They were cousins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so he paid $9.99, got international Tinder— Set it to Boston after some mishaps in Greenland, and um, then we swiped each other. So, okay, a couple weeks after we swiped each other, things were going really well in our chats, and I invited him to visit me in Boston. So the first time we saw each other was at the airport.
2: Okay, so you had been talking, and had you talked on the phone? We talked on the phone once the night before he came. Okay. And after that phone call, would you have said that you loved him or that he was the one? No. So what, what happened when you saw
4: him that you would say, yes, that was love at first sight? So I was, just to set the scene, I was prepared for anything. I've never, ever met a stranger like this. So I was, we had even talked about it. We were both nervous and we both were prepared. Maybe we would just end up being good friends. You know, we, we were both ready to not have a spark. And we had talked about that. So I was standing there. We had jokingly said maybe he won't recognize me at the airport because he is has pretty striking features. He looks a bit like a Viking, and he had a really big beard at the time. So I knew I'd recognize him. But I was worried maybe he wouldn't recognize me because it was Boston winter, and every single person in Boston wears a long black puffy jacket in the winter. So I told him I would be holding a flower. So I had a sunflower, and he walked up to me and we didn't even say hi to each other we just kissed immediately and sparks flew and i thought i want to kiss him a million more times so there was there was something very intense that was a a physical and emotional reaction to seeing him <laughs> so let me just say a that i'm so happy for you and i didn't really like your last
2: boyfriend and you just seem so happy and wonderful in this new partnership, and I'm thrilled. Now I'm going to show my hand and say, I do not believe in love at first sight, and I don't think that that's what happened. What do you think happened?
4: (laughs) I wasn't there. You don't want to yell at me that that's so rude? I mean, I'm not sure either. It sounds totally insane to me too. I've never thought, I I don't know. I don't think love at first sight makes sense. But I think when you feel it, when you see someone and feel this way, it just is. There's no denying it. So to me, falling in love
2: is a process of like possibilities not being closed off, right? It's like being in love with someone is like walking through a series of doors, none of which close or the ones that do close. It turns out that you're like willing to put some effort into breaking down. So like the first door didn't close, you know, like you spoke on Tinder and you found out that he lives in Iceland and that could have been a door that you were like, Never mind. And instead you were like, no, that's actually a door I'm fine with like sort of pushing open and you walked through. And then the attraction door turns out was like really big and you could just walk right through. And those are some big hurdles, right? Like that's like further along in this journey than any
4: of us get with most people. I think I would use a different analogy. I don't think we're walking down a hallway with a million doors. I would use the love at first sight. The analogy I would use is an a seed. I think the first time we saw each other, there was a little tiny baby seed of love. And then with those first minutes together, it became a tiny little sprout. And then with actual quality time together i don't feel like we could have ever closed any doors i don't think it was an option for us that's why i don't think the door metaphor worked i think our little sprout just started growing and growing and it's a very strong sprout because that's to grow in iceland where nothing grows and somehow it just grew and grew and grew but it never had the option of not growing you're you're talking about him as if he's your soulmate yeah well, he brought up he brought up soulmate first. We've spent four times together now. We refer to them each as one date. So our first date, he came to visit for a week. Um, day three, we were standing by a lighthouse, and there were some very strange purple lights coming from a warehouse nearby. We thought maybe they're having a satanic orgy or something. So we were standing by a lighthouse lit by purple glowing flashing lights and he got uh, suddenly very quiet and the waves were splashing and it was probably a full moon it was a really dramatic moment and he got very quiet and I asked what are what's going on and he said I know that you're my soulmate that was on our third day together so I don't know. I, I, the idea of soulmates, it's its confusing for me. I don't know. I feel like our, there's a million ways our lives can go. theres It's totally unknown who we're going to bump into of all the people on earth. So it's hard for me. I'm not sure if I'm completely committed to this idea that there's only one soulmate. Maybe not all love is known at first sight, but some love is. So do you not think it's possible that you could have had those exact same
2: feelings that you had the first time you saw your boyfriend, and then three days later,
4: it turned out that he sucked? That's so hard to answer because that isn't what happened. You know, there were some thoughts in my mind. Like, okay, so we had our first couple of kisses. I finally introduced myself. We said hi. We started walking to the car. Um, And I did have a couple other things going through my mind, like— he's wearing crazy pants and could I love a man with such a beard you know there were some thoughts in my mind or like why did he choose to wear a vest (laughs) a a formal a very formal vest it's handsome but it was a lot for the first moment you know so so I'm not saying that you know he showed up and he was the prince charming I imagine when I was 10 and had my first crush on the guy from the television show hey dude my sweetheart did not look like that and he has crazy fashion choices but I don't know. I don't, it was There was such a powerful feeling of you have to get to know this man. And you have very strong attraction to this man. And there's something incredibly deep and powerful about your connection.
2: What I realized in talking to Sasha was that believing in love at first sight can reap really high rewards. It can lead to these incredibly romantic moments with lighthouses and funky lighting, the kind of romantic moments that, honestly, I don't have. I also realized that what's at stake is not whether or not love at first sight actually exists. Who am I to tell somebody else that they were wrong about their experiences of their own life? But talking about whether or not love at first sight exists becomes a treacherous semantic argument about the nature of love. What bothers me is not whether love at first sight exists. It's that I don't think we should be telling stories about it. Just like it's true that sometimes you can have sex and not get pregnant, that doesn't mean that we should tell a lot of stories about the pull-out method. Just because something exists does not mean it should be a story we want to tell. I'm worried that women will take huge risks and put themselves in terrifying positions because of the hope of love at first sight love. And in our world, I don't want women taking risks for men. I started reading romance novels in large part because I was devastated as a rapist moved into the Oval Office My childhood sitcom dad went to jail for drugging and assaulting women, and the man who produced the movies that made me love movies got outed as a mafia-level conspirator against women. I always knew that men got the benefit of the doubt over women. We believed Clarence Thomas over Anita Hill when she testified before Congress that he was a serial sexual harasser. But I was an ignorant idiot and didn't know that there was a woman sitting in the wings who could corroborate Professor Hill's story, who Congress did not let testify. I thought that there was at least a sheen of authenticity when they said, we don't know for sure what happens behind closed doors or it's a he said, she said situation. I didn't realize that men were knowingly protecting each other to, you know, not let a little pussy-grabbing get in the way of their success. I am admittedly an asshole for not getting it for so long, but I get it now, and I get it in my bones. I love romance novels, but in the rest of the world, when I'm on the subway or walking on an empty street and notice a man noticing me, I am not thinking about falling in love with him. I'm thinking about how I'm scared. I strategize about crossing streets. I pretend that I'm on the phone so I don't have to answer his calls for me to smile. I think love at first sight stories don't get women ready to be scared of bad men. and We need to be ready, not just to resist the individual bad men who take advantage of our Ms. Chalks, but of the entire machine that was built so willing to exploit us. It's been a year since Sasha and I talked, and just the other day, Her boyfriend bought a flight to move to Niger, where Sasha is working, and he doesn't know another living soul there, and he's moving there just to be with her. Love at first sight can get us to do amazing things, but it's just too risky for me. And can't we have big, wonderful payoffs even if we don't believe in love at first sight? I hope so. Luckily, I had one more conversation with Suzanne scheduled on the topic. She didn't believe in love at first sight with her son. How is it going now? Was there still a huge, delightful payoff? How would you differentiate falling in love with my brother from falling in love with my nephew? Was that the most awkward way to say that? That was my goal. No, it is
3: not awkward. And you want to know something? It was... A different kind of love, but it was a very similar process because, um, I did not fall in love with your brother at first sight. What? Uh, I know. back. It's going to be hard to do because I, I do love him now. But when I first saw him, it was online. So it was a photograph. So, you know, I wasn't getting the whole story, but I saw a person who liked to travel because it was a picture of him somewhere else in the world when I met him, I also really liked him and I thought we could be friends. And uh, from there, I started to love him more and trust him and it just grew. So it was sort of a similar thing with my son where first I saw a picture of him and I'm like, he seems all right. He's got a heartbeat. (laughs) (laughs) It's just what I'm looking for in a baby. That's what I want. Yeah. And then I mean, yeah, part of it is the sleep. I've definitely found him so much cuter since he's been sleeping through the night.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: Um, Just mentally was in a dark place because I was starving for sleep before that everything just felt darker and it felt like, what is this alien that came into our life and has changed everything and doesn't bring anything to the table and just takes and it it was dark. But now he's just this ball of light and reminds us what's important and helps us see beauty and the tiniest thing. And it's pretty amazing.
2: I said earlier that loving a baby is a vow, but there are vows involved in romantic love. I just don't think that those vows should come at first sight. Whereas I do think that they should come at first sight with a baby. Baby should be vow, then love. Adult should be love, then vow. And honestly, there are some conditional aspects of love of a baby, too. It's easier to find them cute when you've had some sleep. And it's easier to love them when they can smile at you. So here's my thing about love at first sight. To me, it's just confirmation bias. It's just like you look back. Like, I, I remember when I first saw Peter, I was, like, very charmed by the sight of him. I was running a little late, and he was, like, sitting at the bar we were meeting at, and he was grading papers, and he was, like, wearing old man glasses, which I, like, found endearing. And, like, now looking back, like, knowing that we're going to be together for years and all of these things, I think that if I were a slightly different person, I could convince myself that I fell in love with him at first sight. But- it's really interesting that you say that
3: because a friend of mine called me and was lamenting with her, you know, two month old baby that, um, well, first, the birth didn't go at, as she had thought it would. She thought it was going to be this really intense, magical thing, and it didn't, it was not like that. And then when she met the baby, she didn't feel that instant bond and was really concerned and upset and sad. And she called me to tell me about it. She's like, I'm, I don't want to share this with a lot of people because, you know, I feel like I'll be judged or they'll think that there's something wrong with me, but I didn't really feel like the strong connection right away. I didn't like look in her eyes and be like, I'm your mom and I'm always going to be there for you. And it's really interesting because she was raised hearing that narrative about love at first sight that like, when I looked at you and I held you in my arms, like I knew you were my child. And she's heard all those stories. And I was raised oppositely. Like my mom told me that babies are boring the first three months. She's like, they don't do anything but sleep and poop. And like, that's what I was raised understanding that babies don't become fun until they can smile and laugh. So I very much expected when I looked at my child for the first time that I wasn't going to have that overwhelming feeling right away, but that it was going to grow. Like I, this, this is my family's mantra of, of how we look at babies like this, just how we, we view them. But my friend was so disappointed because she couldn't feel that right away. And then it was interesting because months later she tells me it's really crazy. I look back on that and I feel like I fell in love with her at first sight. Like she's like, I remember calling you. I remember telling you that I didn't have that feeling, but I can look back on those memories and now that I know her and see who she is and I can remember, I can like, I'm almost implanting that memory into my mind. Well, and I think that it's really
2: I mean, there's so many comforting things about the idea of love at first sight, right? It means that there's like a soulmate quality. And I think the love at first sight storyline isn't just told with natural birth, but you often hear it with adoption too, right? Like, as soon as I saw my kid, I knew that they were mine. I think for exactly the reasons you're talking about, I think because marriage is really hard. But if you're telling yourself a story of— but I fell in love with them at first sight. Like, I just knew that you are gonna work harder to keep that up. I think love at first sight is completely made up, and I also think it is a really, like, helpful scam. It's a helpful scam sometimes. When you have a baby in your arms that you've lost the receipt for, or a husband who you love and respect, but have found annoying for the last two months, That woman waiting for her baby at the terminal gate would not have been benefited by not believing in love at first sight. And love at first sight allowed Sasha and her boyfriend to believe that it's worth taking huge risks for each other. And that is beautiful. I don't want the worst parts of the patriarchy to be what determines how I walk through the world. And I don't think that making you scared makes you safe. And I'm so happy for Sasha all love is risky. Suzanne knew that she wouldn't fall in love with her baby at first sight. She was scared that he would take her sleep away and her voice away. And for a while, he did. And she still decided to become a mom. She was scared and she was brave. I guess I just want a little bit of skepticism, some caution. Because it isn't brave if you aren't scared. It isn't romantic love without earned trust. I guess I just think it's something else, but we don't have a word for that something else yet. So I understand why people call it love at first sight until someone invents the word. Suzanne might be able to invent a new word with her changed brain, her patient practice of raising a good man in a toxic world and her not lost voice. She didn't finish her romance novel. I was not as good of a gym buddy as she deserved, and being pregnant and a new mom was, well, hard. But just because she didn't finish this romance novel does not mean that she lost her voice. Her voice has changed, but it's as strong as ever. And now for this week's assignment with Julia Quinn. Hi, Julia. Hi, how are you? I am very well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. Good. Have we figured out your title for this show? We've called you expert author and fairy godmother. What else? Writing goddess, muse. I could be a writing goddess. Great, goddess of writing. Ooh, I like that better. Okay, great. So we have had people do their meet-cute. We have had them really create distinctive dialogue styles. They know their two main characters. Now what happens? Well, they have to have a kiss, obviously.
0: Now, somebody who works on this show, who I won't mention, but her initials are VZ. Mm Mm-hmm keeps forgetting that we have to do this episode and keeps saying like, oh, now we're going to do our first sex scene episode. I'm like, no, no, kiss first, kiss. What? I think let's skip the silly business, but you're all first kiss, first kiss. Fine. Uh, I mean, starting with the sex scene before the kiss is very advanced. (laughs) We, we We should stick to some of the more tried and true character and plot arcs here. So first kiss. Everything that's important about it, or or most things that are important about it, comes from the reader reaction. I mean, you want the reader to feel like her heart is pounding just a little bit harder, like, are they going to kiss? I mean, think about moments when you've read a book or you're watching a romantic movie, and it's like, you know, the will they, won't they, right before the kiss, and you kind of catch your breath, and you're really wrapped up in it. That's what you want, I think. Well, here's something that I'm
2: curious about. Do you think that anything can be said for writing about a
0: bad first kiss? Yes. And as a matter of fact, the book I'm working on right now has a bad first kiss. Yeah. I sort of love reading about a bad first kiss. That's true. Basically, you want the reader to really feel like they're in the moment. They're not an observer. They're there. They're inhabiting one of those people and feeling all the feels and maybe that Those feels are like something amazing. Or maybe it's that, you know, cringing because I am so mortified that was the worst kiss ever and I never want to see this person again. Right. But you really want to get the reader in the moment. So to me, it sounds like one recommendation might be read this scene more
2: important than any other scene to a friend. It's not a sex scene where it's like embarrassing to read to a friend. But if what you're really trying to gauge is a reader's response, like, Ask a friend to read it.
0: Yes, but you may need to let that friend read everything you've done so far because they may not get the feels without being somewhat invested in the character. So you you might probably can't just give them just a, a kiss out of nowhere. Hmm. Yeah,
2: that is a very girly thing to say that a kiss is only good with context.
0: But it's it's true, and that's actually something about romance novels that I think a lot of people don't understand. Is they're trying to figure out okay, what's the difference between a romance novel and erotica or whatever. In a romance novel, the scenes of intimacy, whether they are a kiss or intercourse or anything in between, they move something along. Like if you took them out of the book the book would fall apart in many respects because every one of these scenes is doing something to either move the plot along or to do something with characterization to make sure your characters know each other better. Yeah. I
2: think that that's a great thing to think about. So it's like everything about A First Kiss is emblematic of something else in your relationship right so like where are you when you first kiss are you in public or in private like what is the context of the kiss I actually think that that's a great thing
0: to think about absolutely absolutely
2: um okay everybody go write your first kisses and I swear I can't wait to read them even though I keep forgetting about it as a scene it's I do I really want to read everyone's sex scenes don't judge me that's what I'm here for Before we go, I want to call the woman who did quite a bit of babysitting so Suzanne had the opportunity to fall in love with her son. Hi, Mom. Hi, Mommy. So I have some questions for you about love at first sight. Did you love Dad at first sight? No. (laughs) But you and Dad got engaged after only knowing each other for five weeks. But it wasn't because of love at first sight.
1: We were lucky that we grew together. There's no question.
2: Do you believe that, like, romantic partner love at first sight is real? Do you think it can happen? I think you can look at somebody and be charmed by them and intrigued by them and to want to love them. I'm not sure... Just by looking at somebody,
0: you can
2: love them. Yeah. I wonder where I got my skepticism from then. Am I to blame for that too? I, uh, I'm i not blaming you. I'm giving you credit. Got it. Okay. So your, your grandson, this episode is with Suzanne. You know Suzanne. Yes. Yes, I do. Okay. That's good. And she had a child who is your grandson, correct? Confirmed. Great. Did you love him at first sight? There's an emotional attachment, and I think part of it is that you want to love them.
3: I mean, it grows all the time.
2: What's he up to these days, walking around? He runs around, explores everything. There was a new video this morning where he was asked, where is the moon? And he went to the window and showed that the moon was outside and in the sky. He's amazingly smart, speaking as an objective person. Yeah, he's a cute kid. Um, Thanks for letting us torture you again, Mom. Anytime. <laughs> My pleasure. Okay, I'll call you later to talk for real. Okay, love you, Mommy. Love you too. Bye. By Swavy. If you want to read Suzanne's story or if you want to share your writing assignments, go to our website, hotandbotheredrompod.com. Come support us on Patreon, where you can get extended interviews from our amazing experts and get romance book reviews from me. We really appreciate your support on Patreon. It's how we can make this show work. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the TheRomPod and leave us a review on iTunes. Our romance teacher is the great Julia Quinn. We are a co-production of Not Sorry Productions and Spoke Media. This episode of Hot and Bothered was executive produced and co-written by me, Vanessa Zoltan, and Ariana Nettleman. Our production team is Chelsea Erson, Julia Argy, Bridget Goggin, Nora Murphy, jean Kastner, Caroline Hamilton, Jenna Hannum, Will Short, and Alexander Merck. Our music is from First Comm and by Nick Boll. And a special thanks this week to Sasha Gilbraith Lipton and my mom.